is talking about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he died. And uh, it says there in verse 38, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Pilate told him and gave him, said, go ahead and take it. He came and took the body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then said in verse 41, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, grave, a new grave. Nobody had ever been in that grave yet. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation. I want to talk about the death of our Lord Jesus a little while. And this is a subject that's never-ending. Never ending interest to a believer, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what it accomplished, it accomplished something. There was a reason for it. There was a reason for it. And the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection is our hope for time and eternity. It's our only hope. Have no hope, no other will. My only hope, my only plea is that when Jesus died, He died for me. We sang so many hymns concerning our Lord's death. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Huh? Would He? Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing grace. Amazing pity. Love unknown and grace beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature sin. Huh? Oh my. Thus might I hide my blushing, blushing face when his cross appears described as Dissolve my heart to thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. How many songs do we sing concerning the death of Christ? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. We talk of our Lord's death. We talk of its effects and what it did. Why it died. Who he died for. The purpose behind his death. And we praise God for his death. We thank God for the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he hadn't died and hadn't buried our sins in his own body, there would be no hope for anybody on the face of this earth. None whatsoever. And the scriptures, the first promise in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, talks about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ said, The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent, but he shall bruise his heel. Shall crush the head of the serpent, and he shall bruise his heel. Speaking of his death. And you know, over here, I want you to see something in Luke before I get into this message. I want you to see something in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. 
You know, there's a, this is one of them things that's, that's very instructive for us. When our Lord went up on the mount, you know, and he was transfigured there. Peter, James, and John went with him. And let's look here at verse 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, James, and John and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and the clothes he had on was white and glistering. And one place said, shine like the sun. And listen to this. And there were two men with him, which were Moses and Elijah. And you know Peter, James, and John knew who these men were? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Never seen them before. That's what the Lord, you know, He, that's why when we get to glory, we're going to know as we're known. We're going to know. But they went on, and this is what they were talking about. This is why they appeared with our Lord Jesus Christ on this mountain. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And they said, who appeared in glory. They was appearing with him in glory. because he was in his glory, so they appeared with him in his glory. And spake of his decease, or the death which should he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So they, they met long before and talked about what his death was going to do. Because you find that all through the scriptures, his death, the Passover, the ark, all those things speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and you go through the scriptures over and over and over again, and that's what they were there to talk about. Talk about what his death would accomplish at Jerusalem. And our Lord himself talked about his death. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it shall bring forth much, much fruit. And he said, and he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. And he told his disciples one day, I must go up to Jerusalem. I must suffer and I must die. I must die. And I tell you, the Old Testament saints look forward to him being the lamb slain. The lamb slain. That's why John said, Behold, the lamb of God. And I've seen an old poem one time and it's like this. Maybe we could put a tune to it one of these days. Even the angels, even the angels desired to look into it. It tells us over in 1 Peter. Immortal angels, bright and fair, in countless armies shine. At his right hand with golden harps they offer songs divine. In all the toils and dangerous paths they did his steps attend. Oft paused and wondered how at last the scene of love would end. And when the powers of hell combined to fill his cup of woe, their pitying eyes beheld his tears in bloody anguish flow. As on the tottering tree he hung, and darkness veiled the sky, they saw against that awful sight the Lord of glory die. Huh? Now I got four things to say about the death of Christ today. Four things to say about it. And this is the first message I'm going to try to preach on the seven sayings from the cross. And this is my first one. My first one talking about his death. 
First thing I want to say about his death, that it was natural. And what I mean by that, it was a real death. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, he was dead. He was dead. It was a real death. And, and who it was that died is a wonder to us. You see, it was Emmanuel that died. Peter says, you know, he was delivered by the determinate counsel. But also, he, you took him by wicked hands. You crucified him. And he was slain. And I tell you what, this who it was. But his death was, he was really dead. His body was cold and lifeless. No blood flowing through it. No heartbeat. No eyes that could see. No ears that could hear. And beloved, and not only that, it was Emmanuel who died, but it was Jehovah's fellow. Jehovah's righteous servant. And his life was a life that was divine. The scriptures tells us that he purchased the church of God with his own blood. So this is his death was natural. But how in the world could the eternal one die? How could it possibly be? How could he die? Well, the only way you can explain it is because he became a man. God prepared him a body. And what did he prepare him that body for? That he could live in, that he could die in. A die, you know, his death on the cross, he became a man, was made flesh for that very reason. I do, he was, he was a, look, 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 look over here at Philippians. I, you know, this, the scriptures can say it much better than I can. In Philippians chapter 2, you know, by becoming a man and by being made flesh, he was able to die. And because we're men, we're going to die. And Christ so identified with us that he died. And his death was so real that he was buried. They gave him a grave. They put him in a grave. We take people and put them in graves and cover them up. They put Christ in a grave and covered up his grave. They prepared his body just like you go to a funeral home and they prepare your body. They came and took his body off that tree. It was a body they took off that tree. A lifeless body. A body that felt no pain. A body that felt no anguish. But how could that possibly be? Because he became a man. He became flesh. But look what it says here in Hebrews, I mean, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was he, he was equal with God. So he never robbed God of his glory. If I claim to be something special, then I'd rob God of his glory. Christ could not rob God of his glory because he was equal with God. But all made himself of no reputation. Didn't run around like these preachers do today. Giving them a bunch of degrees and, and, and putting up posters that I'm coming to preach and all that rigmarole. But made him so no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant, and listen to this, and was made in the likeness of men. And you know, one place it says, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He took on a body just like us, and then being found in fashion as a man, 
and fashioned as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient even the death of the cross. And what I'm telling you is that he was, he was so, his death was so real that he was buried for three days. Buried for three days. That's a strange thing to me. But his death was natural as natural as me and you dying. That way. Now let me tell you the second thing. Not only was his death natural, I mean he really was dead. They took a body off that tree. Ain't that what it says? He might take away the body of Jesus. They prepared a body. They put a body in a grave. And let me tell you something else that it was. Not only was it natural, but the death of Christ was unnatural. It was abnormal. Well, how could it be abnormal? I'm going to tell you, death had no claim on him. Death had no claim on him. You know, the wages of sin is death. Well, he had none. He had none. You know the scriptures, Gabriel when he came and told Mary she's going to have a son, she said, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And I tell you what, the scriptures tells us plainly, our Lord Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? I don't have to be convinced of sin. I know what I am. I've already been convinced that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. I've been convinced of that. But I tell you what, who's going to convince Christ of sin? You know, he did not sin. He did not sin. He could not sin. And the scriptures tells us that he had no sin. None whatsoever. And it says over 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he knew no sin. He didn't know it in thought. Didn't know it in word. Didn't know it in action. Didn't know it in heart. Didn't know it in any way possible. He knew sin. And the scriptures tells us that he was without spot. And he was without blemish. And you find Pilate. Pilate come out three times. Three times. And he said, I want you to know that I find no fault in this man. Don't crucify him. Come out again. He said, I tell you, I find no fault in this man. And his wife came up to him and she said, Now, Pilate, she told she said to him, said, Whatever you do, don't you have nothing to do with this just man? He said, I've suffered so much in a dream because of him. Pilate come out there again and said, I find no fault in this man. Huh? Oh my. And I tell you, he could, his wife called Christ that just one. And the scripture said he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. When you saw him, he looked like a man. He walked like a man. He talked like a man. He hungered like a man. He thirsted like a man. He needed rest as a man. So it was unnatural for our Lord to die because it's going to be a Listen, he had no reason to die. He had no sin. We're going to die because of sin. Christ did not have to die. He did not have to die. 
He had no sin. How in the world could he die then? Because he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. And then for sin, he's made an offering, a sacrifice for sin. Let me tell you the third thing. is natural. He's dead. He's dead. is a death. A body was really dead. But he it was unnatural because he had no sin. If you don't have, you know, I'm going to say something right here, and I hope you understand it. We get accused of a lot of things, but man is such a sinner that if, if a man didn't have sin, he'd never die. An infant that would be born would never die. Do you know that? You know why babies die? Same reason you and I are going to die. Sin. Born with it. Shaping in iniquity and conceived in sin. You say, oh, that sounds awful. But that's why people die. It's because of sin. And our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, He says, body suffered no corruption. Lazarus laid in the tomb for four days and he says, She stinks. But our Lord Jesus Christ laid in the grave for three days and there was not a bit of corruption came into his body. Why? Because he didn't have sin in his body. We're corrupt and rotten because we got sin in our bodies. We're dying now. Why? Because we got sin in our bodies. Sin slowly but surely killing us. But our Lord Jesus Christ had none of his own. None of his own. And oh my, I tell you what, that's why that's why it's going to be such a that's why it's such a blessed thing to know that Christ put away our sin and we'll never have to face God for it. I gotta die, but I won't have to face God in death. I won't have to face God for my sin. I won't have to face God for my wretchedness because Christ has already took care of it. Huh? Oh, bless his holy name. And then let me tell you something else about his death. It was preternatural. What do I mean by preternatural? Preter means determined beforehand. <laughs> you know, it's like us, you know. We was predetermined, preter, predetermined, predestinated. Love beforehand. And our Lord's death was preternatural. That means it was determined beforehand. The scriptures tells us plainly that Jesus Christ our Lord was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was a Lamb without spot and without blemish. And I tell you, you know, known unto God are all His works from the beginning. And as I told you already, Acts 2.23 says this, Him being determined, Him being delivered, delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God delivered Him up, but man, when they had a chance to do something to Him, took Him by wicked hands, slew Him, crucified Him. People say, I wouldn't have done that if I'd have been there. Listen, I'd have been the loudest, meanest man in the crowd. Huh? I'd have been the I'd have been the crying the loudest. 
Wouldn't you? Yeah, I know it would have. That's why I need saving. I know exactly why. And let me tell you, before God ever made Adam and created Adam, before he ever put the sun in the sky and the sons of God shouted for joy, our Lord Jesus Christ, God prepared a Savior and had a Savior before he ever created the first man. Why did he do that? Didn't he know Adam's going to sin? Ah, get out of here. Surely you do. <laughs> well, of course he knew what Adam was going to do. Did he make Adam do what he did? No. But did he know what Adam was going to do? Yes. So why in the world would he not be prepared before man ever sinned? He had a Savior provided for us before the world ever began so that he could save us by the grace and blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Oh, before there was ever a sinner, God had a Savior. Before Adam ever fell in the garden, God had a Savior for him. Huh? He was the just for the unjust. God said, I found the ransom. Now look over here in Acts. Keep, keep look over here in Acts with me, chapter, chapter four, Acts chapter four. Won't you see this? We've looked at this before, but this will, this I think this will be a blessing to you. Acts chapter four, verse twenty six. You know, our Lord's death was determined beforehand. That's why our Lord steadfastly set His face to go to Jerusalem. My Father gave me a work and I must work, our Lord Jesus said. Look down here in verse 26. The kings of the earth stood up. Pilate, Herod, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they all got together. And listen to this. To do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. He said, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. They're just doing what they... Do you think that they... Knew what they were doing? No, they didn't know. They just hated him so, despised him so, ridiculed him so, and hated him so, that they said, this is our chance to get away, get rid of this man. But they were just doing what God did. They either one of them done just exactly what they wanted to do. But they was doing God's will. Doing God's will. Now that's a mystery. That, to me, that's a mystery. And it was as God viewed our Lord Jesus Christ as the lamb slain. Now you listen to me. That he justly passed over the sins of all the Old Testament saints. Now listen. If from Adam all the way to the last, till John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Now how did all those sins be forgiven of all those saints because Christ's blood hadn't been shed. And how could, how could all those sins 
God, the Scriptures tells us, He through forbearance, forbearance, forbade their sins. And why did He forbear their sins? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ that would come and bear their sins. So all the Old Testament saints' sins were paid for on the cross just like our sins was paid for before we ever committed them. All those sins were in the past. All of our sins were in the future. And yet when he died, he took care of all the past sins of all the Old Testament saints and he took care of all the sins of the New Testament saints. Ain't that right? <laughs> the greatest thing that happened between eternities was the death of Christ. All the sins of all our people. Abraham, you know, every time you, here's, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. Let me tell you this. When you go to Hebrews 11, and you look there, you got Abraham, you got Abel, you got all these people mentioned, and in the Old Testament you see their sins blatantly. You see, their, see Abraham lying. You say Abraham yielding to his flesh and having a child by the flesh? And you see all these people. And yet when you get to the New Testament, it does not say one thing about their Old Testament sins. You know why? Because <laughs> God looks at them. He looked always viewed them in Christ. Me and Greg was talking last week, and Scott, I, uh, I told him two or three things that I never heard nobody ever say before until Scott said them. He said he was preaching one time about Noah being in the tent drunk, being in the tent naked. And his sons, one son come in there and saw him, his other two walked backwards. He said the only person who never saw his nakedness, you know who it was? He said he's God. God never saw his nakedness. Why didn't he see his nakedness? Because he is clothed in the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> That's why God don't see us naked. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. His, his raiment was altered and white and glistening. As far as God's concerned, our raiment shines. Our righteousness shines. And I tell you, it's only as God viewed the old, Christ as the Lamb that he justly, justly passed over the Old Testament sins. And you can see that in Romans and then also in Hebrews. And then let me tell you the last thing about his death. Natural, unnatural, determined beforehand, preternatural, and then fourthly, it was supernatural. Supernatural. It was different from anybody else's death that's ever had on the face of this earth. His death was different than anybody else's. Even in death, he has to have the preeminence in all things. He has the preeminence in all things, even in his death. Even in his death. Look over here in John 17 with me. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look what our Savior said. Now he's talking about he has to have the preeminence. Now he's he's praying he's he's praying a He's praying his high priestly prayer here and the saints get to listen in. Verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, and I tell you, he could see God. He could see the Father. He actually could. Father, the hour's come. The hour's come. Glorify thy Son. And listen to this. 
that thy son may also glorify thee. Where am I going to glorify yet? On that cross. Huh? Look what he said in verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world ever was. Oh, I listen. I'm going to go to die. But now let me tell you, he had the preeminence in eternity. He was delight of his father. His father rejoiced in his presence. He delighted in his presence. He was daily his delight. And look, and who, who, who ever had a birth like our Lord Jesus Christ? Nobody ever had a birth like him. He was born of God. He was born of the Holy Spirit. Born of a virgin. And when they come and told Mary that, she said, that's impossible. It, can't, it just can't be. Yes, with you it's impossible. But with God, it's, that's no problem. You know, God. How, how, God come upon the, a, a, a woman named Mary. And she had never been with a man. And God himself, by the power of the Holy Ghost, come over her and planted seed in her. And it was the seed of God. That's a, you know, how can it possibly be his birth? You know, the angels sang in his birth. The wise men, they found a star to his birth. He was laid in a manger in a birth. Nobody had a birth like him. And then his life. Whoever lived a life like our blessed Savior. Whoever lived like him. Every step he took. Every step he took from the time he started walking, he never took a misstep all the days of his life. I heard somebody say one time that no doubt when he was working in the carpenter shop that he hurt himself, got a splinter in his hand or something like that. That'd make him imperfect. That'd make him like me and you. They said, well, he could stub his toe. That'd make him like me and you. He never stumbled. He never faltered. He never stubbed a toe. He never done anything. There's nothing ever happened. The only time that his body ever suffered was when he was on that cross. I tell you, there's no... Listen, that's why he said... That's what Pilate said. I don't find any fault in this man. God said, this is my beloved son and I want you all to know this about him. I'm well pleased in him. Nobody else may be, but I am. Nobody else may look at him and say, Oh, listen, this man's perfect before me. But God said he is. Oh, my. And then there's what? His life was a life of doing nothing but good. Opened blind eyes. Gave dead life. Gave cleansed lepers. Made the deaf to hear. Made the lame to walk. Everywhere he went, I'm telling you what, and sinners delighted to be in his presence. The only people who despised him was religious people, just like it is today. And I tell you what, not only in his life, but in his death. Whoever had a death like his. I then told you he didn't have to die. But whoever had a death like his. Here he was, Besides two men, 
And you know it took a long, long time to die on the cross. But our Lord Jesus Christ, He had the preeminence even in death. His death was like nobody else. His death actually accomplished something. My death won't accomplish nothing. Your death won't either. Nobody that ever died in your family, their death never accomplished nothing. People say, well, I hope by this happening you know that the Lord will bring them. If they won't bring them to God through His preaching of the gospel, He ain't going to bring them because somebody in your family dies. He can take one of your children and that won't bring you to Christ. The Christ is the old gospel's only thing that can bring you to Christ. You may weep, 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 weep over somebody, but that's, that just makes you sorry. It makes you sad. But oh my, the death of Christ, His death was different than anybody's. Why? Because it actually done something. It actually accomplished something. Huh? Oh my. I tell you, you know, it was supernatural. I, look over here in John 10. This is uh, what I'm going to tell you. This what the scriptures will say much better than I can say. Again, look in John chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18. His death was different than anybody else's. Huh? Look what is said here in verse 17. Listen to this now. Therefore doth my Father love me. Now listen to it. Because I lay down my life. I lay it down. Why do you lay it down? Because I can take it up again. If I lay it down, I can, get, I can take it right back. Then look what else he said. He says, no man takes it from me. Nobody's going to take my life. Nobody can take my life from me. I, but I lay it down of myself. When I get ready to die, I'll die. And I'm not going to die till I get ready to die. That's what our Lord said. I've got the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it up again. Why? Because God said, this is what I command you to do. <laughs> I can't die when I... Listen, i got no power over life or death. But he did. He did. Oh my. And I tell you, it's supernatural what it accomplished. The first thing is, is it satisfied God. God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And secondly, it's actually saved sinners. It wasn't a valiant effort on God's part. He actually saved sinners. Now I'm going to give you seven, seven proofs of his death being supernatural. And I'll hurry through them if I can. First of all, seven proofs, seven reasons why his death was supernatural. That he laid down his life. They didn't take it. You know in John 18, when they came to arrest him, when he was in the garden with his disciples, he was over in the garden of Gethsemane. He's over there praying. And you know, old, old, old Judas, being who he was, said, I know exactly where he's at. So I'll take you. I'll take you to where he's at. And there was 500 men or better that went after one man. And they came after him. And when they found him, they said, he walked right up to him, walked right up to him. He said, who, who are you looking for? 
They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. It shook them up so bad that they all fell backwards. We come to get him and I'll tell you what, he faced us head on. And they said, they got up and said, who are you looking for? Jesus and Matthew. He said, I told you that I am. And he said, if you seek me and want me, let everybody else go away. You can't have me and them at the same time. And our Lord Jesus, the scripture says that they took him in verse 13 of Luke 18, John John 18, they took him and led him away. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Huh? Oh my, led him away. Led him away. That's the first reason we know that his death is supernatural. The second one is, and I want you to look at this with me over in Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. I want you to see this with me. This is, this is interesting to me. I, I believe it will be to you. Look what it says. Two times here. Two times this happened. Matthew 27. And verse 46. <clears throat> About the ninth hour. Close to dying. Jesus cried with a loud voice. Oh my. That don't sound like a man that's not in control of himself. He cried with a loud voice. Saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That tells us why does the Holy Ghost say this? Because he wasn't exhausted. His strength had not failed him with. His still master and conqueror, but not conquered by death. Look what it says down in verse 50. Now listen to this here. here listen to what this said. He said this, this says this twice. Now why does the Holy Spirit put this here? When he had cried again with a loud voice, listen to this, he yielded up the ghost. He said, it's time for me to die. And he yielded. He yielded to it. He yielded to it. He was still master. He was yielding himself to death. And let me tell you another one. Back over there in John 19, it says this. I rushed a verse first I read. Jesus, knowing that all the scriptures was fulfilled, that knowing that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he has complete control of his mental faculties. He says this. He said, I thirst. Why did he say I thirst? He said, because Jesus, knowing that all things, that the scriptures now being accomplished, he says, I thirst. I thirst. Why? Because they knew. They knew. He knew that they'd give him vinegar and gall. And that one scripture said, him knowing, him knowing all things, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. He said, knowing this, this, this scripture, he said, I thirst. I thirst. This is proof again that he laid down his life. Proof again. And then the fourth reason is this. When he said, it is finished, you notice what it says? It says he bowed his head. Why does it say he bowed his head? 
Because his head was erect. He's looking. He's looking around. He's looking at all them people. Seeing all them people. Seeing what they said. Hearing what they said. His head was erect as mine is right now. He wasn't there looked like this here. You know. No, no. His head was held up straight, erect. Oh my. Uh-huh. And the scripture says, then he, listen to it, said, then he bowed his head. Bowed his head. And then he gave up the ghost. Bowed it. You think our Lord's death wasn't supernatural? Everything about God's supernatural. Everything he does for us is supernatural. Huh? And I tell you, his head was erect. This is no impotent suffer head. His head didn't fall. He consciously, calmly, reverently bowed his head. And no wonder that centurion said this. He said, surely, surely this was the Son of God. Huh? And then let me show you another one. In Luke 23, you don't have to look there. I'll just just tell you. He said, Father... Into thy hands, listen to this, I commend my spirit. (laughs) I commend my spirit. I can't commend mine. Can you commend yours? He did, Father. Here, I commend my spirit to you. It's yours. It belongs to you. And I commend it to you. Huh? Oh my. And then then the scripture says, and then he gave up the spirit. Uh, And there in our text that we used this morning, they came to break his legs. You know, when I see stuff like that in the Bible, I mean, you imagine. If you break your leg accidentally, I mean, it hurts. It really hurts. But these fellows, these men are hanging there alive. It took two to three days for men to die. Just dying strictly from exhaustion. But them big old soldiers, I don't know if they had a big old iron bar, if they had a hammer. But you know how cruel and how mean a man would have to be? I mean, if I was in the military, somebody told me to go break somebody's leg, I'd say, excuse me, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I couldn't do that. And then they walked up to them fellas. Took that thing. Bam! Both legs cracked. Right about, right about probably their shins. And they went down like that. And they died real quick. And then they came to our Lord. And they were amazed that he is dead already. Why was he dead already? Because it was his time. He said, it's time for me to go. And when it's time for me, I'll get my body back out of the grave and I'll come back right back out of there. It's time for me to die. Time for me to live. <laughs> oh, what a Savior. I mean, we can't talk about him. We can't honor him. Enough. But you think about that. He, he said, it's time for me to die. Father, here's my spirit. 
And then he said, well, listen, I've got to die. And he said, they're going to bury me. But he said, I've got the power to lay it down, and I've got the power to take it up again. Who in the world moved that stone out from his grave? I don't think angels did it. There was two angels sitting there when they came. But our Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> listen, he created this world and he created the rocks. He can move a rock. When it's time for him to come back to life, get out of my way. I'm coming out of here. That rock just rolled away like there's a pebble. <laughs> you know, our Lord, we just, our mind can't, can't grasp how glorious he really is. Oh, my. And oh, they came to break his legs. And I tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll tell you something else that happened. He was already dead. And then that man took that spear and ripped his side to fulfill the scripture. And here's another thing. Here's the seventh thing. There was a great earthquake that day. A great earthquake that day. You're talking about a phenomenon. The scripture, and I'll tell you what, here's First thing that happened when our Lord died in Jerusalem. There's a veil that hung in that great big Herod's temple. 30, 40 foot wide and it was about four inches thick. And when he, gave, when he died that veil went from top to bottom. Now anybody could rent one, cut, cut one and tear it from bottom to top. But for it to do it on its own, and you know why that veil opened up? To show us that how false and foolish and empty religion is. There's nothing behind that veil. The wizard of Oz ain't back there. There ain't nobody back there. There ain't an ark back there. There's not an altar back there. There's not a mercy seat there. There's nothing. It's a sham. And now when that veil's open, that shows us that we have a new and a living way. Now we can come into the presence of God and there ain't no veil between us and God. Huh? And oh my. And then the earthquake. When I don't, I don't believe it was just an earthquake right there. I mean, I believe the whole earth, the whole earth shook on its axis. The whole earth shook all over just like Shaking something. He, God just shook the whole earth. You know, the earth didn't bust open and things like that. He just shook the whole earth. The earth quaked. And I tell you, even the earth itself was ashamed at this awful deed. You know, when Cain killed Abel, God says, Your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And if you, if Abel's blood cried, how much more shall the blood of Christ speak to God for us? And the scripture says that the rocks rent. And it also says this. This is an amazing thing to me. The graves were opened. I don't know how many was opened, but there's a lot of graves opened. And a lot of people come out of the grave and they went into town and a lot of people saw their, their family members. They went into town and appeared to people. Why did that happen? To show that our Lord conquered death. When, his, when he died, he defeated death. 
once and for all. He had he was so identified with us that he that he conquered the enemy, death. That's why death for us is not an enemy. Oh my, he destroyed death. And I tell you what, he killed, he destroyed this power. He destroyed it. It has no power over us. Oh no, and that's what he's telling that, that when those graves, them graves open, them people come out there, it's just showing us that Christ has power over the grave. When he wills to go open the grave, that grave's opening. And he's going to see him one of these days with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God's going to sound, and we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and be, I mean, we'll be changed. All of us at one time be changed. And we'll meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, Comfort one another these words. That's comforting words, ain't it? <laughs> oh my. Has anybody had a life? Anybody had a death? Anybody you know what made his suffering so bad, so awful? Who it was that was suffering. For me to suffer, that ain't nothing. I deserve to suffer. I ought to suffer. I'm a sinner. But Christ, oh, why did he suffer? Because he willingly did it. Voluntarily did it. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Our Father, oh, bless your holy name. How wonderfully gracious you are. How wonderfully merciful you are. How wonderful, loving you are to let us enter in to what our Lord Jesus Christ was and what He did, what He accomplished by His death. And Lord, we just touch in the hem of the garment. But oh, what a blessed thing it is to touch the hem of the garment. Oh, to be able to be where Christ is and where Christ be where we are. We thank you and bless you and praise you. Bring glory to yourself through this message. Use it, use it, use it to your glory and the good of the hearers. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen.